Well, hello, Everlast. How are we tonight? Pretty good. I love that. Um, well, we are so excited. If this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, we are glad that you have joined us tonight. And so we have finally made it. We are in our last week of a series that we've been in called The Vow. And let me just encourage you, if you have not, if you missed a week or it's your first time and you're like, what is The Vow? Uh, I'd encourage you, man, to go to our podcast and listen to those messages. The first week we talked through covenant versus contracts. The second week we talked through on how to communicate well. And then Kevin, my husband, last week just did such a great job talking through purity and sexual immorality. And it was just God really moved last week. And so my prayer tonight, uh, as we talk through tonight's topic, is that you would leave here just fired up, ready to just do the work of the Lord and for his kingdom. And so that's going to be the prayer for tonight. Uh, before we dive in, we are going to pray. But if you will turn to Acts chapter 18. That is where we are going to be in most of the nights, all throughout Acts chapter 18. And so while you are turning there, uh, we will pray and then we'll, we'll get started. Well, Father, we love you and um, God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, I just pray that you would, um, God, would you speak through me? Lord, I do pray that. I pray tonight that what you have to say to us wouldn't uh, stay in this room. Lord, that it would penetrate our hearts, transform our hearts, and that we would leave just on fire, ready to do the work that you have called us to do. And so, Lord, we just, uh, we ask that your presence would be with us now. Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, I pray that um, I would just be your mouth guard. If there's anything uh, that you have for me not to say, uh, I pray that you uh, would not allow me to say it. And if there are things that are not planned, help me to be sensitive to your spirit um, as we talk through your word. And so, Father, we love you. We are excited for what you have to say tonight. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, something that you can know about me is I love movies. I, I, love, the, I love the story, the, the setting, the plot. I, I love the character development. I, I love the conflict, the resolution. I love, I love movies. And I particularly love movies where the characters have a mission, whether that is to get to a certain place, uh, achieve a goal, getting to the finish line, completing the task at hand. I love those kind of movies. And so for the first time ever, just the last three weeks, uh, I watched all three of the Lord of the Ring movies. We have, we have some fans. Uh, well, let me be honest with you. I was super cynical at first. I mean, it took me years to watch The Lord of the Rings because all I knew about Lord of the Rings is that there's this weird creature thing. There's a ring. It's powerful, and people are freaking out over it. And so honestly, I was like, this kind of seems dumb. Like, I don't know that I really want to watch Lord of the Rings. And then I watched Lord of the Rings. And it was life-changing. 
Here's the thing. There are so many gospel parallels to Lord of the Rings. It's crazy. I mean, we really could just do a whole series here at Everlast on Lord of the Rings. We won't, but we totally could. But what I love about Lord of the Rings is there was a common mission, something that had to be accomplished, and that something was to destroy this ring. And if you know the movies, this isn't just any ordinary ring. This ring is powerful. It's evil, like to the fact that it destroys men. And uh, Mr. Frodo, who's one of the characters in the movie, Mr. Frodo has to bear the weight of this ring, and he's on his way to Mordor. I think I pronounced that right. Okay, this place is of just evil, fire, lava stuff. And he is there. This is the only place that he can destroy this ring. It really is just this awesome movie of this crazy adventure and mission of destroying this ring. Now, why am I telling you this? What what does any of this have to do with marriage? Well, let me tell you. The most successful and strongest marriages have the same mission in mind. There is a finish line, and they are both running the same race to get to it. That they have a mission that's been assigned to them, and they are to complete it. And it's the same mission that if you are not yet married in the room, meaning single, dating, engaged, you are not yet married in the room, uh, it's the same mission you're called to as well. And this mission is found all throughout Scripture. But one Scripture in particular, in particular that I just love how it's communicated, what our mission is, is found in Acts 20.24. 20, now, just to give you some context before we read this verse, Paul is giving his farewell and saying goodbye to the elders and his brothers of the church of Ephesus. Now, Paul has been with them for three years. Right, Deep relationships have been built with these men and women. And so Paul, as he's on his way to Jerusalem, because he's technically not in Ephesus right now, but he's making his way back. So he's on his way to Jerusalem and makes a pit stop in Miletus, which is 20 miles south of Ephesus. And he sends for these leaders, his brothers, these elders, to meet with them to say his final goodbyes. And so in this moment, as we read this passage, this is a sobering, sad, very moving, grieving type moment that's going down here because the elders believe this is the last time that they're going to see Paul. And so Paul says to his brothers, his mission in Acts 20.24, it says this, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul is saying, I don't count my life of any value to myself, meaning my life is not my own. Only that I may finish the course, only that I may finish the mission that God has called me to, which is to testify the gospel of the grace of God. If you want to know what your mission is, whether you are married or not yet married in the room, it's testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. It's testifying to the good news of Christ. That that Jesus who lived a perfect life here on earth willingly sacrificed his life on your behalf, bearing the weight of your sin and God's wrath so that through his death and resurrection, because of his grace and mercy and love, 
towards you, you may receive the gift of eternal life. That that is our mission, to, to proclaim the good news of, God, of God's grace to undeserving sinners like me and you. And this isn't just a mission, it's a commandment. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And it's not like the good old Mission Impossible movies where, where it says, this is your mission. If you choose to accept it, good luck. And then the phone, uh, the phone blows up. That, that's not what this is saying. If you are a believer in the room, when you chose Jesus to, to surrender your life completely to him, that moment you accepted the mission. And just like Paul, through his words and actions, through his ministry, how he loved God, loved others, and lived his life being obedient to the Father by reflecting and proclaiming who Jesus is, we too have the same daily mission. That, that in whatever we do, we are to be fully devoted followers of Christ, proclaiming who Jesus is and, and how you live your life. Whether you are married or, or not yet married, your mission is about your complete devotion to the Lord. The difference is, I'm either running on my own for his purposes or I'm running with someone for his purposes. And knowing your mission is essential for it to be completed, which makes sense, right? You, you don't run a race not knowing where the finish line is, right? You would be completely lost, having no idea where you're going and ending up in, in the completely wrong direction. And it's the same with military. Ori, who is one of our Everlast team members here who uh, served, he served in the Marine Corps, Hurrah. And uh, I did that for him. And he was over at our house the other night. And I asked him, I said, hey, hey, what did it look like to get orders for a particular mission? Like, like what, what, what all did that, that look like? How did that play itself out? And Ori explained to me that he had a commanding officer. And that commanding officer gives his platoon an overall mission objective. That this is your mission and this is how it is to be executed. Right, that commanding officer would never say, hey, just go out there, G good luck. Uh, I don't really have in any instructions for you, but you got this. Right, that, that, that would be absurd. Lives would be lost. And, and just like the mission objective given to a platoon, we as believers have a mission objective here on earth. Right, we aren't just aimlessly going about our lives. The Bible gives us clear instruction on our mission and how it's to be completed. And our mission, again, married or not yet married, is to be fully devoted followers of Christ. God, all that I have is to be seen and used for your glory. And we see a great example of this found in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. And this is through the story of a married couple by the names of Priscilla and Aquila. And again, whether you're married or not in the room, their lives are a great example to us on what marriage should look like when both individuals have the same mission in mind. You want to have a strong, successful, kingdom-impactful marriage? This is a married couple whose marriage completely owns that. And so starting in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, it says this. And after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontus recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. 
And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And so Priscilla and Aquila are first introduced to us here in Acts. And what is happening based off what we just read is Priscilla and Aquila are kicked out of Rome. And they were kicked out of Rome because it says Claudius, who was the Roman emperor at the time, had commanded all the Jews to leave. Right, right. If you were a Jew, you, you didn't have a choice. You, you couldn't stay there any longer. And so Pr- Priscilla and Aquila leave Rome and depart to Corinth, their new home where they settle in and are now working hard as tent makers. And as they are in the midst of that, it says Paul comes to see them. Now, Paul isn't just an ordinary guy, right? He isn't just some rando off the street. This is the the same Paul who we know and read about, who once persecuted believers in Christ, had this crazy encounter with God, then surrenders his life over to Christ, and is now on mission proclaiming who Christ is. And because of that, Paul is causing riots, disturbances amongst the Jewish community, rifts. He himself is getting threatened with his own life, thrown in jail and persecuted, all for proclaiming who Jesus is. And so this same Paul shows up on Priscilla and Aquila's doorstep. And keep in mind, again, Priscilla and Aquila just got kicked out of their home, had to leave Rome, move to a brand new place, finally get started, settled in, working hard in the tent-making business. And the same guy who is known for causing riots and rifts that cause emperors to, to, to kick them out now shows up at your doorstep needing a place to stay. What do you do? Shut the blinds and hide. No. What Priscilla and Aquila do, here's the first thing we see about a couple on mission for Christ. Verse 3. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. Priscilla and Aquila, whether or not they saw Paul as an inconvenience or maybe even a huge risk to stay with them, not only welcomed him in, allowing him, to, allowing him to stay with them, but also providing Paul a job with them to help fund his ministry. You want to know what a, what a couple looks like that is on mission for Christ? It's a couple who says and shows, God, all that we have is yours. God, you want to use our home so Paul can have a place to stay when he comes back from preaching all day and proclaiming who you are? We can do that. God, you want us to provide Paul with the skills and equipment he needs so he can fund his ministry by working alongside us as tent makers? We can do that. The first thing we see about the same mission-minded couple is that everything they have belongs to the Lord, and it allows for Paul to further in his ministry. I can remember when... Uh, Kevin and I moved here from Texas. Uh, we, are, we were brand new to the Springs, brand new to this church, brand new to the community, brand new to the, uh, the ministry and, and mission that God had uh, called us to. And we had several married couples who came alongside us right when we moved here and said, hey, h- how can we help? What, 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 what can we do to help you thrive in, in this new location in this new church? And there are several couples I could name, but one couple in particular is Mark and Mary Bofill. And if you don't know Mark and Mary Bofill, Mark is uh, the executive pastor, one of the executive pastors here at CWC. And Mary is his wife who helps oversee the women's ministry. 
And uh, Mark and Mary just went uh, above and beyond for us. We literally left Texas driving uh, just with some clothes and some of our belongings in the car. And when we pulled up to the springs, the house that we pulled into was Mark and Mary Bofill. And we pulled up in their driveway, and the clothes that we had and some of our belongings that we had, we literally unpacked and moved immediately into their basement. They provided a house for us to stay, instant community. They had meals for us literally every night, thanks to Mary Bofill, who's just an amazing cook. They, they uh, invited us in on their family. They did a Friday night, just, just their kids who were our age, uh, fi- Friday night family. They did a game night every Friday. And they would invite Kevin and I in to, to participate in that. They counseled us. They encouraged us. And they are a huge reason why Kevin and I are thriving here at CWC. You see, Mark and Mary have the same mission in mind, which is of Christ. And because of that, they use their gift sets and hospitality that have impacted not just Kevin and I, but you sitting in the room. Because Kevin and I would not be leading this ministry if it weren't for one, God, allowing us to do this ministry. But secondly, if it wasn't for Mark and Mary pouring into us, loving us, supporting us, and reflecting a marriage that united arm in arm saying, arm in arm saying, God, all that we have is for you to use for your glory. That is a marriage that is strong, successful, and impactful. And if you desire a marriage like that, make sure you have the same mission in mind. Because listen, if Mark or Mary had two completely different missions, meaning one of them was, let's say one of them was fully on mission for the mission of God and the other one wasn't, we, we probably wouldn't have stayed with them. Not because we wouldn't have wanted to, but their priorities would have looked different. Right? One would be like, God, all that, we ha- all that I have is for you to use. And the other one would be like, I don't really want Kevin and Tina staying at our house. I, I don't want them using up our water and electricity bill. I-, I don't want to have to make meals for them every night. I don't want to have to invest my time and energy while they're staying with us. They would have had two completely different priorities. And if you are a believer in the room and you are not yet married, pre-warning. Right, big pre-warning, red, it's right here, big red pre-warning. Make sure your future spouse and your overall mission is the same. Because who you marry will directly impact your ministry. A hundred percent, who you marry will directly impact your ministry. And we see this play itself out in the lives of Priscilla and Aquila. Right? They, they allowed Paul to stay with them. They provided Paul a job. And then continuing, continuing in verse 18, it says this. Verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail, set sail for Syria. And look at what it says next. And with him was who? Priscilla and Aquila. This couple believed so much in the mission of God that they left Corinth, where they had just settled, started making their tent-making business, to leave all that behind to follow Paul. Right? It's one thing to open up your home to Paul. It's another thing to give Paul a job. And then it's a whole different thing to leave, then leave your home to go where Paul was going next. And on top of that, Paul is still, at this point, causing rifts and riots. 
Paul, Paul doesn't stop proclaiming who Jesus is. Verse 12 confirms this when it says, But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. Right? Paul is still preaching and teaching about Christ, and in doing that, he's upsetting a lot of people, which is crazy because what that shows and what that shows is even with the uproar that Paul was causing, Priscilla and Aquila were on the same mission for God, so devoted to the Lord's mission, they were willing to leave their home to go with a guy who was putting their own lives at risk for the sake of the gospel. And because they were on, uh, because they were a marriage on mission for Christ, they left all that they knew in Corinth, took a huge leap of faith to follow Paul, and in doing that, they had a huge impact and are still having a huge impact for the kingdom of God today. Look at verse, what it says in verse 24 through 26. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew uh, he only knew the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So here, uh, here's what is hap- uh, So here's what is happening going into this verse. They arrive in Ephesus, and Paul goes on continuing from one place to the next, leaving Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus. Right, Paul is no longer with them at this point, meaning they followed Paul to Ephesus, and then he said, hey, I still got to go proclaim the gospel to, to places, um, so, you know, so glad you came. Right, that's crazy. And so Priscilla and Aquila are in Ephesus holding their own, holding down the fort, and while in Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila are in a synagogue listening to a new preacher by the name of Apollos. And that scripture refers to Apollos as a teacher who's energetic, fervent in spirit, eloquent, very passionate, but very much incorrect in his theology. And so what does Priscilla and Aquila do? Verse 25, they posted clips of him on Instagram with a Bible verse headlining, beware of false prophet. No. They lean into one another, give each other the look, and then grab all their friends afterwards and talk about him and gossip behind his back, saying things like, you know, I'm just really more of a Paul guy, not really an Apollos guy. I think I'm going to go to another synagogue. Nope. Verse 25, verse 25, it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And I love this. Priscilla and Aquila were for the mission of God so much that they were for Apollos' growth in the Lord and for God's word to be proclaimed accurately. So they brought him aside, not shaming him in public, and explained to him the things he didn't know yet. They, They were gentle and kind with their words. And because of that, because of their obedience and the way they went about it, It goes on to say about Apollos in verse 27. And when he wished to cross Acacia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those 
who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. It says he helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public. Apollos goes on to have this amazing ministry for Christ and has a huge impact proclaiming and sharing who Jesus was, and Priscilla and Aquila were a part of that. Apollos' ministry would have not been the same if it wasn't for Priscilla and Aquila teaching him the correct way in that moment. Priscilla and Aquila saw a need and they met it. This is a heart for the mission of God. Their intent was to glorify God and help a brother understand the way. Now let me just be clear. I am not saying we should take something that is said about Scripture. Like if it's said incorrectly about Scripture, I'm not saying we should take that lightly. I'm not saying that. Scripture specifically talks about and warns us about false prophet, prophets telling us to be on guard and to be aware. But I just want to propose this question. How often are we talking and gossiping about a certain pastor or teacher instead of praying for them? What do you think is going to be more beneficial and more glorifying to God? Slandering them or praying for them? And all I'm saying is that Priscilla and Aquila's actions were one that was God honoring, God glorifying. And because of that, their decision led to an amazing and impactful decision for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And if you're wanting a marriage like that, teaming up as a powerhouse couple for God's plans and purposes, you you, you want that kind of marriage? Let me just encourage you, if you want a God-honoring marriage, uh, you need to be, a, be living a God-honoring life now. It's going to be really hard finding someone who is on fire for the Lord if you are living your life uh, very far from the Lord. I can remember for me, my sophomore year of college, there was this guy, good guy, on fire for Jesus, uh, attractive, just overall guy that I was like, he's someone that I, I would like to date. He's the one that I would hope today. But listen, my sophomore year of college, I wasn't pursuing Jesus. I was pursuing alcohol. I was pursuing partying. I was pursuing guys. I was pursuing all the things. That, that, that's part of my testimony that, that God rescued and redeemed me from. But, but my sophomore year, I was not pursuing Jesus. And this guy that I was interested in, do you know who he was not interested in? someone who was not pursuing Jesus. He is looking for a God-honoring marriage that's about the same mission that he is living for in Christ. You you want a God-honoring marriage? Live a God-honoring life now. One that is impactful for the kingdom of God. That if in the Lord's sovereignty, he, he has you get married um, that because of that, you're, you're already living and walking in a God-honoring way. When you meet someone who's doing the same, man, that's a couple, that's a force to be reckoned with. And that's a couple like Priscilla and Aquila who are great examples of what a God-honoring marriage looks like. They are about God's glory and making an impact for his kingdom. And we can totally see that they exceed in that. So much that Aquila and Priscilla aren't just mentioned in the book of Acts. Romans 16.3, Paul writes, Greet Prisca, which is her formal name, same person. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, 
who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the church of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Right? You can't get away from this couple. Right? They're so on fire for the Lord. It says they risked their necks for Paul's life. How? We don't know. Scripture doesn't say. Great question. One day you get to heaven, you ask, hey, how did you risk your life for Paul? Right? We have no idea, but we know that they did. And then secondly, for, for Paul to write to the saints in Rome, specifically calling them out, hey, would you greet them? Hey, thank them for me. They risked their lives for, for me for the sake of the gospel. Hey, and also not just for me, but the entirety of all the church of the Gentiles. They want to say thanks to Aquila and Priscilla as well. well would you make sure to greet them for us? Like what? Priscilla and Aquila were a dynamic duo. That they made a huge impact in the early church. And this is a couple whose ministry has made a substantial impact for the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, Paul writes to the church of Corinth saying, The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca together with the church in their house send you hearty greetings in the Lord. Here they're mentioned again in the scriptures, and this time it says they are together with the church in their house. They're, they're planting churches in their home, right? They are housing the body of Christ. And Priscilla and Aquila are constantly being open-handed with their lives for the sake, cause, and mission of Christ. They had a home for Paul to live in. They helped fund his ministry by tent making. They left their home and followed him to Ephesus. They taught Apollos. They risked their lives for Paul at one point, And we continually see them opening up their home for the church to use. And that's only a snippet that we get to see into their lives. And I'll just close with this. How awesome would it be if the same was said about you? Just like this huge list of awesome things that, that you did to impact lives for God's glory and for the kingdom to advance. Our mission everlast is to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Proclaiming who Christ is and the work that he has done as it is displayed in and through our lives. Whether you are married or not yet married, we all have a mission in Christ. And our mission here on earth is to do that successfully for the glory of God. And if you want a successful, strong, and impactful marriage for the kingdom of God, make sure your overall mission with that person is the same. Amen? Let's pray.